before we get before we get back to First Peter in John 15, just talking about abiding, about abiding in Jesus. And I had planned just to really just to do two two sermons, one on that first part of one through eleven, and then hitting like twelve through seventeen. But last morning, last Sunday morning, I mentioned that I was just listening to a sermon, um, an Advent sermon on joy by Matt Chandler. And, and as I was hearing this about joy and I was thinking about verse 11 that we would study, and as I thought about that, I thought we need to talk about, we need to just be reminded of our joy in Jesus and abiding in that joy. We need to do that. Even as I've studied this this week and even gone over and even preached this to my own heart, I've had to pray and stop in the middle of the Lord, give me joy. Give me your joy. I need your joy. And the thing that really kind of sparked this in me to, to focus on verse 11, which we'll look at, and we're going to skip around a little bit more than normal um, today as we talk about joy, but most, mostly in this section in John. But what spurred me on was a testimony that Matt, Pastor Matt shared about a trip that he had taken to a, a restricted country. He didn't say what country it was, uh, but a country where that's closed uh, the spread of the gospel. And he talked about how he went to this country and, and they were going to do a three-day training of a group of pastors and church leaders. And he arrived in the country later in the evening and finally got to the place where they were going to have this conference where it was at a, a farm kind of way out in the middle of nowhere. And he got in about 1.30 uh, in the evening and he had jet lag and he was exhausted and he knew that he had three days of training to do with these pastors and leaders, and he knew he needed sleep. He would have to get some rest, and he said he's not, he's not really a late-night person, so he was really, really ready to go to bed. So he, they put him in a room, they get the dogs and the chickens out of the room and um, find a room for him, and he's, he lays down to sleep. And about 30 minutes after he lay down and about asleep, he began to hear someone in the other room speaking really loudly. And he began to think, do they not know that the speaker, the American guy, is over here sleeping? And so um, then it gets louder, and another voice joins that voice. And then there begins to be some singing and clapping. And he he kept just praying, Lord, I know I need to sleep. I'm going to be exhausted. And he put his earphones in, and about 3 a.m., it just continued to get louder and louder and louder to the point where he just gave up. And at 4 a.m., he finally just got up and just went in. And there was a room full of, of like 40 to 50 of these leaders from this country. And they were just praising God and, and praying to God and singing just joyfully to God. And as Matt began to get to know some of those pastors and leaders over the, the week that they were together, he came to find out that some of them... Um, had not seen their families for a couple years because if they go home, they know they'll be arrested. Uh, Others of them had been arrested and jailed and and tortured. And others, he said, the only clothes they had were what was on their back that they took into that meeting. And he saw them full of joy. And he said, now they weren't always happy as they carried a lot of sorrow, and yet still they had a joy that was rooted in more than just the happiness of the circumstances they were in, but they had a joy even in the midst of suffering in Jesus Christ. And for him, it just rocked his definition of joy as he saw the joy of these pastors. And, and this is the type of, of joy that the world can, cannot touch. 
And I know um, just in our time overseas, we saw that in different ways in different times of those who had joy and yet suffered greatly for Christ, and yet they found joy in Him. And we're reminded that our joy is so much greater than anything that this world has to offer for us. It's found in Jesus Christ. So today, we'll look at that. We'll look at the source of our joy found in Christ Jesus and, and how it's, He cares so much about our joy and that it's rooted in hope and eternity in Christ. So we'll begin, and if you have your Bible, we'll look at John 15, verse 11. We've already read 1 through 11, and we'll review just a little bit, too, from what we studied last week. But verse 11, let me read that. These are the words of Christ. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy may be full. So here he speaks to the disciples, and And what has he been speaking? What has he been teaching them? What has he been telling them? We saw some of that last week, that he's called them to abide in him. He says, remain in me, abide in me, and I will abide. I will remain in you. He abides in us. He strengthens us. He protects us. He restores us. He keeps us. And he also said, if you remember, he said, abide in my love. What better command than we can have to, to abide in the love of Christ and abide in Him and, and abide in Jesus, not rebelling from Him, but instead allowing His words to abide in us. And, and as we abide, then fruit results naturally and flows out from us. And remember the command, the main command wasn't bear a bunch of fruit, but abide that you might naturally bear that fruit. And there's this call to abide and to walk and to rest in Jesus. And as we abide in Him, we'll also abide in His joy. And our joy will be full. It will be complete in us. And we'll grow in that joy. It's a joy that we will grow in. I think it's just, sometimes it is a moment-by-moment moment joy, a little-by-little little joy that we, we have in Him, at times it just grows, and sometimes it is just incremental, and sometimes it is that just day-by-day grace to find joy in Him. But He says that our joy will be full. It will be, this is also maybe in your translation, it says it'll be complete. It's kind of that idea of a vessel, same word, if a vessel was filled up, will be filled up with joy. And I think in that we see that we are, those who are created in the image of God, we're created for joy. We're created as vessels for, with great capacity for joy. Great capacity for joy that we find in Jesus as we abide in Him, as we, as we rest in Him and find our completeness in Him. And that joy that we have in Christ is one that's full and will be completed when we see Him face to face. So we're created for joy. We're designed for a fullness of joy in Christ, a joy that this world cannot fill, a joy that nothing in this world can fill up in us. It always is just temporary. Even at Christmas, we've talked about this. We talk about this year in and year out, how Christmas is a time where it gives us an example of how the, just the joys of this world never fully pay off and complete us. Now, Christmas mornings are great. We love 
Christmas mornings with our kids. Actually, we do Christmas Eve because typically we go to Grandma and Grandpa's really early. And this year, our plans changed, so we didn't have to go early. And we said we were going to open gifts on Christmas Day, and that did not go over well at all. You can't change that. You get it in a day early, and you're, we're not going to... Um, but we, we enjoy that time. There is a sense of joy that we have and that we love to see our kids and family members open up gifts and find joy. But we know at the same time that a lot of those gifts will be next summer's garage sale items and they last for a moment uh, and they remind us that we are created for something much greater uh, than that. They point us to something greater that this world just cannot fulfill. And just as Christ is the true vine, and we talked about that last week, that Jesus is the true vine. He, he is that true source of joy. It's not a counterfeit, hallmark happiness. I wish that was my own phrase I could coin, but it's not. But the, It's not a hallmark happiness of this world. Because we know in reality all relationships don't end in a playful snowball fight where you fall in the snow and kiss. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, just watch a, a Christmas hallmark movie and you'll know exactly what I mean. But... The joy of this world is just so much greater. Or the joy of Christ is so much greater than the joy of this world. But often in our culture, um, there is a growing rejection of Christ. There's a rejection of the true meaning of what life is and what the meaning of life and what eternity is in light of Jesus Christ. Instead, there's kind of a growing theme of just finding, finding your joy in yourself. Finding your own purpose in yourself, kind of the phrase of do what makes you happy, or even be what makes you happy, or be your own truth. And these things aren't truth at all. We can't be our own happiness. We can't just do what makes us happy and think that we will find true fullness of joy. We need to to seek... um, the loving guidance and direction of our God who created us. And as we're going to see in just a little bit, our Savior who desires for us to be full of joy. And we're reminded that we have a loving God who created us, who sent His Son to die for us, that we might flourish. Because He's the one who knows what is best and what we need to, to, to flourish and who he's created us for to find true joy that's so much greater than just temporal hallmark happinesses of this world that do not last. This joy is a joy that that we don't fill up in ourselves. It's not something that we just kind of muster up joy in ourselves, but we need his grace and his mercy. Even within this passage here in John, as, as John is recording the teaching of Jesus at the Last Supper from chapter 13 through 17. And in the midst of that, in chapter 16, is the teaching of the Holy Spirit that as Christ will die and and rise again and ascend to heaven, that he'll leave the Holy Spirit to be with us. And he's referred to as the helper, the comforter, the counselor. And it's through him that we can grow in joy. It's not just mustered up in our own strength. We need the grace of the Holy Spirit in us. Last week we talked about fruit, and a lot of that fruit is that fruit of the Spirit of Galatians 5, 22 through 23 that says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we are not the source of our own joy. 
We are not the source of our own happiness. It is found in Christ. Watching a good movie, um, it can be ha- you can be happy for a little while, but it just won't do it. Being in the right relationship won't create the joy that we're created for. Doing a bunch of charitable things won't do it, but we must instead abide in Jesus, in Him, that we might bear fruit, even bear the fruit of joy in, a, in Him as we rest in Him and even abide in His joy. He is that true source of joy that the world cannot offer to us. And sometimes that joy is a joy that we need to pray to the Lord for, just that we would have it even moment by moment. I just even, as I was just writing this and thinking through this, uh, this prayer, as even, a, I think as I wrote this, I believe I, I was praying it too as I wrote it. May, may we just pray, Jesus, fill me with your joy. Jesus, help me. Help me to look to you for joy. Reveal to me, make me know, make known to me my pursuits of false joys of hallmark happiness type joy. Jesus, help me to think on the promises, on your promises and truth leading to joy. Jesus, manifest, make known your joy and grace to me, even if it's just a moment-by-moment type of joy that I need, that daily, minute-by-minute, second-by-second type joy that we need to have and just by His grace be able to, to walk in. Well, Jesus um, is our source of our joy, but he also really cares deeply about our joy. And we see that here in these passages here in John. And if you'll skip ahead with me just a little bit to John chapter 17. This is the end of the section where Jesus is teaching the disciples in their last Passover meal together. And at the end, chapter 17 is this prayer. Sometimes we call it the high high priestly prayer of Christ. And in it, we see a parallel passage to this passage of joy in 15, verse 11. But 17, so 17, verse 13, we hear the prayer of Christ. But now I am coming to you, speaking of Christ coming to the Father. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So here Jesus, again, he's praying, closing this time of teaching with the disciples. And he says that he prays that they will have joy. And he says, but now I'm coming to you in these things that I, I, that these things I speak in the world. And what are these things that he has spoken? Uh, what is he referring to? Well, he could be just referring to his prayer right here. But it seems like more, it's the whole context of this chapter 13 through 17, where he's called his disciples to to abide in him and spoken about the Holy Spirit. And all of these things he taught them so that their joy might be just filled up and fulfilled in them. He desired that we might abide in him and know the fullness of joy. What a gracious Savior who spoke and prayed that we might be full of His joy. He desired for us to be full of His joy. Calvin, in his commentary relating to this prayer in this verse, he says, Here Christ shows that He was so careful in praying to the Father for His disciples, not because He was anxious about their future state, but to provide 
a remedy for their anxiety. So he was praying for them. He was reminding them of, of all that can be found in Christ. In this world, there's all sorts of things we can be fearful about and anxious about. And we need to hear the prayers of Jesus and the call to joy that transcends all of the trials and the difficulties and the struggles and persecutions of this world and be reminded that we have this joy that's more than just a momentary happiness, but a a deep joy in Christ. Jesus wants us to hear his words, to abide in his love and lovingly follow him and serve him. Then also... In the midst of this teaching, Jesus speaks about joy in, in chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. I'm going to read that whole passage just so we can get context as he speaks about joy and the joy that he desires for his disciples, for, for even us to have. Verse 16, a little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me again. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he is saying to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. And we all would be confused too. So don't be hard on those disciples. Jesus knew that they wanted what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, this is what you is this what you are asking yourselves what i mean by saying a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me truly truly i say to you you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will turn into joy when a woman is giving birth she has sorrow because her hour has come but when she has delivered the baby she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will, you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So here in this, these last teachings of his disciples, he's, he's telling them about his death and his resurrection and that he will see them, he will die and rise again, and he will see them. And Jesus is the one who came to rescue. He came to rescue us, to die for us in our place for our sins that we might be redeemed and forgiven and be filled with joy. Be filled with joy that no one can steal from us. It's not a joy that can be hijacked from us, not ultimately. We might not always be happy. Uh, we'll have sorrows and we have struggles. And even in this week, if you're um, just a, a normal person, <laughs> you felt that. But our joy rests in Christ and it's one that can never be stolen from us. I think of those, those pastors in that training that had experienced great suffering and great sorrow and yet As they gathered to praise their King Jesus, they were filled with joy in Him. And and Jesus even closes just this asking you will receive. And um, asking can include a lot of different things, but one thing I'm sure it can include is asking for His joy. That we might have that joy and have it to the fullest 
in him. May we ask Jesus just to fill us up with his joy and to think on truth. Be reminded of the hope of the gospel that's in him. And then our, our, our joy, it's rooted, our joy in Jesus, it's rooted in hope. I know we've talked a lot about hope, and as we've looked at First Peter, and we're going to look at that a little bit, just a little bit briefly. But our joy uh, is, rooted, is rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in his rescue of us and the hope that we have in him that he died rescuing us. And Hebrews 12, 2 speaks about the joy of Christ that was set upon the cross. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Christ is filled with joy as he looked to the cross because he was looking to the rescue, the forgiveness of his people, the forgiveness of sins of his people, and the rescue that he would redeem. He was one who is establishing his kingdom and would reign as king. And our joy is found, too, in the salvation that we have in Christ, that he has forgiven us, that he has rescued us, that he has redeemed us. And as we studied, and we'll continue in First Peter, but let me look and remind us again of the first chapter of Peter, of the hope that he speaks of. And if you, you can turn with me, and I'll read it as well, but in First Peter, just a little farther over, you find Hebrews, James, First um, Peter. And read verses 3 and 4 first. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So we've talked about that. that in Christ, according to his great mercy, he's poured out upon us. We are born again. We have new life to this living hope of salvation in Jesus Christ who died and rose again. And it's such a hope and salvation that it's unfading, undefiled, it's imperishable. It's kept 100% for us. And then verse 13, Peter continues to write, says, therefore prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And remember, he says, set your hope fully on the grace to come. It's grace that we experience now and we'll experience it even in greater capacity at the return of Christ. Just like our joy rooted in this hope, in this grace, we'll experience it now, but it'll be full and completed in Christ. And then in the middle of these two passages, of these two verses, I mean, we look at verse 8. 8 and 9. He says, though, though you have not seen Him, speaking of Jesus, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with with glory. If you remember as we, we walk through that passage that we saw that Peter, he, he knew that he, he had seen Jesus. He'd walked with him. He'd eaten with him. He'd seen the death and crucifixion of Christ and the risen Savior, but they had not. And yet, they still loved him. They still put their faith in him. They trusted in him. They'd been chosen by him and made holy by the Spirit and cleansed and forgiven. And they knew the love of Christ and not only did they love Christ and believe in him, but they had great joy, an inexpressible joy in Christ. The joy 
that we can have in Christ, a joy beyond measure. And they also understood the reality, too, that they one day would, too, see Jesus as Peter had seen Jesus. And we, too, will see Jesus as Peter did. And we'll know in full his love, his joy, his grace, his mercy in us. So our joy is set in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope that we have now, the salvation we have, and the hope knowing that we will see him one day. And in the similar way, um, as, our ho- as our joy is set in hope, it's also set in eternity. And these go together, hand in hand. So our joy in Jesus is rooted also in eternity. So our joy, it's not rooted in the here and now. It's not rooted in hoping that the, our longings for joy will be fulfilled by things of this world in this life. Um, but we recognize, too, that the aching, the longing that we have for even great, greater joy and the fulfillment of all that God has promised to us um, is rooted not in this world, but, but in eternity and the salvation that we have in Him. I think of Ecclesiastes 3.11 when we walk through Ecclesiastes where it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's hearts. God has placed eternity in our hearts, the reality of eternity in our hearts. And we are not to look for the ultimate purpose of this world in horizontal things, but in eternal things. None of the pleasures, temporal pleasures of this temporal life will fulfill us. Sure, in this world we can find happiness and we can find moments of joy in the things of this world, but they're not salvation. They're just a salve upon the sores of our suffering. And sometimes they can be fun and they can bring, again, just happiness for that moment and that season and the time, but that's the end of the reward that they give us. That's all that they give us, the things of this world. But instead, we're created for eternity to know His joy in all fullness for all eternity. I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 8. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We're reminded of the eternal weight of glory to come for all eternity with Christ. Think also of Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The joy that we have in Christ now, it's just a taste. Think of the greatest joy that you've experienced in the Lord. And just know that's just a taste of all eternity and the fullness of joy that we will have in His presence. 
we should be reminded to, to wait upon the Lord and to abide in Christ. If, if we have any theme for this year or every day of our life, may it be abide in Christ, abide in His love. And we will bear fruit. We will grow in joy in Him. We're called to abide in Him. And First, though, it might be for us to be able to abide in Him, we have to first come to Christ. Maybe you recognize um, this morning that you have yet to trust in Jesus Christ. You've yet to know His joy. and Christ has called us to, to return from our sin and trust in Him and believe in Him as the one who is the one who died in our place, the one fully God and fully man, who took upon our punishment and rose again victorious over death and sin, that we might be forgiven, that we might have the hope of eternity and joy in Him. So this first step for you this morning might be to come to Christ. It might be to reach out to, to us, either online or through the card, to let us know you just want to follow Christ and know Him more. But we also, if we are followers of Christ, might we be careful to think through where are we setting our joy? Um, where are we resting our joy? And be realizing that we are not... Um, called to just satisfy with the longings of this world, uh, our, the pleasures of this world. One way I've heard it said is we are not called to, to marinate in mediocrity uh, of this world. Yeah, there's a lot of wonderful um, restaurants to go to, well, sometimes, <laughs> um, desserts to eat. There's lots of great things to watch on the Disney Channel, Disney Plus, or on Hulu, Disney Channel, that dates me a little bit probably. Is that, I don't know, is that around anymore? But Hulu, um, things like that, they, they're great, but they, they just kind of can numb, numb our passions, um, numb the joy that we are really called for. May we seek for something greater to rest our joy in Christ. And also, um, a thing I think can help stir our joy is just thinking of, of things that we should be welled up with gratitude for in our life. Um, I think one thing that we will start as a family is um, I grab an, a notebook and begin writing, and our time is before we, when we pray in the evenings and stuff, just writing, what are we grateful for to the Lord for today? <laughs> Sometimes that's it, just that moment by moment, day by day. What are we, what are we grateful for? And as we grow in our joy and and as we grow in our gratitude and practice gratitude, we will, we will grow in our resting in Christ as well in that. So may we grow in gratitude as well this year. And as we find our joy in Christ, might we also be those who, who speak about it. It might be in small ways or really big ways this year. But just asking the Lord, how would you have me speak about the joy? And just... Sometimes the same, just say something. Speak about your joy to those around you that you have in Christ. And may you also take time just to think about what are some of the joy stealers or counterfeit joys or hallmark type happinesses that you are substituting for joy in Christ. And ask the Lord just to reveal those to you that you might abide more in Him and less in some of those other things that that are really um, false hopes held out to us. And might we know and be reminded that our joy in Christ is such that it 
transcends our momentary sufferings and difficulties, like those of those pastors that gathered singing and praising, even though some had suffered greatly for the name of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of joy. And you sent your Son that we might experience joy in full. We thank you that you hold that out and you desire for us and even promise that for all eternity we will experience the fullness of your joy, the fullness of all your pleasures for all eternity. And in that, may it reorient our hearts to you and to what we seek for happiness. Lord, even may the happinesses of our day and of our week and of our year, may they all be those things that we see and we give you great praise and thanks for as they point us to you and you as the one who is the giver of all good gifts. Lord, may we grow in that. And I pray even if there are some that have yet to rest in you, to find you as their hope, that even today that they would rest in Jesus. Lord, we need you. I know this week I've been days of, I haven't sensed a joy in you. I know many of us walk through that from day to day or week to week, and we pray that you would manifest your joy to us in Christ this week, that we would know, even if it is a moment-by-moment joy in you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we get to respond uh, as we do from week to week in the truth that we have a Savior who cares about us, who cares about our joy, who's one who came and endured the cross, looking forward to the joy that would be found in the forgiveness and the rescue and the salvation of his people. And we declare that. We're reminded. We need to be reminded of the death of Jesus Christ for us and his resurrection. And that's why we take of the Lord's Supper together. We're reminded that we are brought into the community of God and fellowship.